God bless them. I mean, uh, everybody looked like they were enjoying it. <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. Welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Yay! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, you out hey. there. Hey. You, you listening. That's hey. right. That's right. That's right. Uh we got we got a Patreon and we got stuff. We got stuff on Patreon. The mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know, we, we call it our Sin Club. Mm-hmm. Uh Barrett, what what kind of shit do we have on? Our We're side? all about branding, baby. It's a sin club. Uh, make sure you tell everyone I'm a member of the sin club and mm-hmm. see if they mm-hmm. think you're in an orgy club. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they are. Look, if you want this podcast in your ear holes the day before everybody else gets it in their holes, sign up mm-hmm. for the lowest tier, mm-hmm. lowest tier mm-hmm. of our sin club. Three dollars, mm-hmm. three dollars a month. That's you it. You get every th- piece of content we produce. Ahead of the masses, and that that includes the videos, folks. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for you're waiting for. Eventually, I mean, I'm going to spoil this. Eventually, the Suicide Squad Cinema Sins video will come out. It ain't going to be tomorrow. Nope, but it will come out. You're going to get that the day before everybody else gets, mm-hmm. it. and you can mm-hmm. tell your friends, "Hey, I have watched the Suicide Squad Cinema Sins thing, and y'all are going to lose your shit every time we post a video." I launched the video with some comments already there from Patreon people. And then the video goes public, and inevitably, the public comes under one of those Patreon member, Sin Club member comments and goes, this comment is 20 hours old, but the video is only 30 seconds old. That's exactly how their voice sounds, too. I swear to God. Hey, how are things going, Well, when you're in, that, you're in that dome where you hear the cacophony of all the people's voices of the world, yes. those things kind of tend to clean. Yeah, you know, we, we, we hear all these voices. So That's right. If you go up to $5 on our Sin Club on Patreon.com slash CinemaSins, you get access to uh, live panels at our Sin Week that we do every year. Mm-hmm. If you go up to $10, baby, oh, oh Lord. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not only do you get monthly videos, folks, these are not just like, oh, we threw something to the side. These are literal videos where we, we call them cementaries, where we look at previous CinemaSins videos and comment and react mm-hmm, on them. Mm-hmm. This is what people have been asking YouTube to do for years, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we do them at that level, the how's the peeping level. Uh, you get access to all the panels at Sin Week, and you get uh, bonus pods, too. <laughs> this is good stuff, man. And and when you go there, let us know, by the way. When you go to patreon.com slash cinemasense, let us know specifically about the artwork for every tier, because we put a lot of thought into that. First one is Original Center. It's got a picture of Al Pacino as the devil mm-hmm. in uh, The mm-hmm. Devil's Advocate. Mm-hmm. The second one, the five dollar one is Sin Doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's clever. Yeah. That's clever. <laughs> and it's got a picture of Stephen Strange on there with his with this cloak of of knowledge and shit. Mm. Uh, and the third one, which you may recognize, is a picture of our beloved Philip Seymour Hoffman saying, "How's the peeping time mm-hmm. from the talented Mister Ripley?" Go to patreoncom cinemasins. Sign up to be a Sin Club member. That you love us, you listen to us, man. Just, 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 yeah, just go ahead. We want to take care of you. All right, all right, all right. So, all right. 
All right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. We're, we're going to have a normal show today, but there was something that happened a few weeks ago that I thought was awesome. Sometimes you watch, you know, sometimes you watch movies and you'll see a very young somebody and you'll be like, oh, wow, that's fucking Tommy Lee Jones when he was 18. <laughs> he was never 18. Yeah, he was never 18, but he was here for some reason. But like, but like, um, or you'll just see some some weird coincidence of some sort and man i have over this past year i've been i've been uh this isn't an actor thing this is a location thing that i thought was was fun uh and it's one of those where the mystery got deeper as i dug in as i dug into this thing the more it's like an onion the more layers you peel the more it stinks that's correct that's correct uh I, I've been I've been catching up on old Columbos. That's been my mm. thing. I've been watching I've been watching Columbos. Hopefully, I'll get to the end of it at some point. I have these long periods of time where I watch like three or four episodes, and then I have like a month, and then then I watch more. So, watching the episode called "By Dawn's Early Light," which has Patrick McGuhan in it, and uh, and uh, it's a it's it's a murder that happens on, at a military academy, and. There's a point where uh, Columbo is walking around and talking to people and in the background, and sometimes you can see them walking on it later on. There's this like checkerboard, like uh, outdoor, outdoor space where a building is around, it surrounds it or whatever. What do you call those? Like a plaza or something? Yeah. yeah it's yeah. up like a plaza. It's like a checkerboard look plaza or whatever. And I was like, that looks very familiar. Where have I seen this before? Mm. and uh i was like oh oh i know it was that fucking halloween movie that came out a few years ago that danny mcbride wrote and uh, david gordon green directed and uh it's it's uh where my where they where the two podcasters go to visit michael myers and he's on one of the squares uh, with all, all the other patients that are there so i was like okay is this the same place that would be weird i at first i was like okay this has got to be the same place because they probably filmed both of these things in California, and there's some place where there's a checkerboard uh, plaza somewhere around California, somewhere around L.A., something like that. I look it up. I look up the filming locations for this Columbo episode, and it says it's at the Citadel. And I was like, all right, the Citadel. Ah, right. Where the fuck is the Citadel? <laughs> <laughs> um and I, fi- I, 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 look, I looked around and goes, okay, the Citadel is in South Carolina. I was like, oh, well, that makes sense because Halloween was filmed in South Carolina. And, um, and so I was like, that must be the Citadel there, too. But I go to the Halloween filming locations, and it says something about a military academy, but it does not say the fucking Citadel. Hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is this? How is, the, how is it shot in the same state? And it has the same looking checkerboard thing, and it's not the Citadel. <laughs> and I, I wrote on Slack about this, and I was like, what the fuck, guys? And I just said that, and that's it, and didn't say any, give any context whatsoever. And everybody was like, you must mean this Columbo Halloween thing that you're talking about, right? And I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. Jeremy looked it up too, and he was like, "Oh, it's the there's another place in South Carolina that has a military academy that has this same checkerboard thing that the Citadel does. That is fucking amazing. Can you can you imagine the coincidences that are involved here? Yeah, that's insane to me. 
um, that you would see a, a Columbo episode that's 40 something years old, 47 years old, and then somehow relate that to Halloween, which came out just three years ago. And, uh, and they're not the same place, but they're in the same state. And the one, the military academy was built based off of the Citadel. Um, oh, so it's, it's not like a common thing across all military. No. Academies. Okay. No, but what was, it was so, it was, it was such a fascinating morning because Chris comes up with this mystery and he's like, this is fast. I think there's even a Loomis connection. Yeah, there's a character in Columbo that's called Captain Loomis. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now Jonathan was quick to point out that Loomis is originally from Psycho, but yes, that's true, Jonathan. <laughs> but if it, if we're talking about Halloween connections, the fact that this came out before Halloween, right? Um, and there's a Loomis there, and then Halloween comes out four years later. Now. The original Halloween has a Loomis, yes, but it has absolutely nothing to do with that uh, checkerboard thing. Right. No, absolutely nothing. So then all the way later on, it, somebody remakes Halloween for the 15th time. <laughs> and uh, and they and they put that in there. It, it's, it, it almost makes you wonder if Danny McBride and David Gordon Green saw that episode of Columbo. Yeah. And thought, oh, it would be, uh, be kind of cool to put something like that in our movie or whatever. I mean, I was Googling red, white, checkerboard, military meetings. Uh, I was, uh, at one point, I was convinced the two, the two places had the same architect, and he just really liked red and white checkerboards. It's a unique and look, right? Chris went off and found the architect of the Citadel, and by that time, I had read that the other one had actually done it as like an homage, and it's like a 70 or 80% scale version wow. of the one at the citadel it was a really really fun well yeah it, it starts off with you thinking both of these places were shot in california yeah but and even there's even a, a shot in colombo where they're the military is carrying these flags and they have the california republic flag oh, wow. in their hands so they're trying to make it seem like it's still there in la because colombo obviously wouldn't be solving mysteries in south carolina but uh and then I went and looked at Halloween and actually I think I went to Halloween and, and looked at their filming locations first and said, Oh, it was filmed in South Carolina. Can't be the same place because I figured Columbo, why would they move production to South Carolina if they could go to any military yeah. base they wanted to, I guess they just really wanted to have the, the cool Citadel backdrop, uh, whatever. Uh, so I, I was like, ah, it's not the same place. And you can kind of give up and then wait, that can't be right. <laughs> you just, something by, just something uh, is eating at you about it. And finally I went really deep into the filming locations and finally was like, oh shit, this is the Citadel. I, I didn't think the Citadel was in South Carolina. Um, just didn't know where it was at all. I just didn't figure there. And, uh, and then I, when I saw the Citadel, I was like, ah, the Citadel. And didn't think anything about South Carolina. Right. And then yeah. clicked on it and was like, oh, it is South Carolina. Well, it must be the same place. <laughs> it isn't the same place. That's Holy shit. Bizarre. Jesus. Um, anyway, uh, thought I would uh, regale everyone with that weird connective story. Uh, we're going to have a normal one today. Uh, what's uh, Is anybody pissed off about anything? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I'm as mad as hell. You've never seen me very upset. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Uh, I'm not. Yeah, uh, you know, I think Twitter handles this argument okay. It's just that the there's a uh, um, there's this movement out 
out in out in the world about uh you know people who are unvaccinated going to places and having to prove that they are or whatever for to get into some businesses and then claiming HIPAA laws mm-hmm. not to be able to go to say that they can still go in and everything. I don't know how many people of our audience needs to hear this, but <laughs> HIPAA laws have nothing to do with if someone asks you if you're vaccinated or not. Mm-hmm. HIPAA laws have to do with doctors and insurance and hospitals and stuff like that, where they have your medical information and they can't give it to anybody else without your permission. Yep. That's all it is. It is. That's it. Doesn't have anything to do with you went into a store and somebody asked you for, you know, are you vaccinated or not? And, and you're, and you're claiming privacy over it. That has nothing to do with that. Right. And as a person who runs a business, they have the right, just like a no shirt, no shoes to say, take a hike. Mm-hmm. They had the right to do that. I'm sorry to say that. I'm sorry to break that to you. I, I, I heard some, I've heard, I've heard of this argument on Twitter a bunch about violating HIPAA laws. And of course we all know this is fucking thinly veiled bullshit, uh, reason to not, uh, follow people's, uh, uh, wishes when, uh, going out and about. We all know that nobody gives a fuck about the privacy stuff. The sports, like these sports stars like Dak Prescott and Lamar Jackson and all these people are like, that's a privacy issue. Don't have any problems with uh, the news, you know, reporting that they have a groin issue or, or, you know, they have something going on with them that uh, doesn't allow them to play. But when it comes to the vaccination stuff, they're like, oh, this is private. You can't do, you can't can't, uh, talk about that. Give me a fucking break, guys. We all know that this is bullshit. We know it's a bullshit fucking reason to not, uh, to not disclose information and everything. It doesn't even fucking apply this fucking bull. And then, you know, they're all spelling it with two P's too. Yeah. H I P P A. They're all spelling it with that <laughs> and everything. No, but you know, this is, this is just disingenuous, but you know, I had heard all this argument before and then like I was at a poker game the other day and I, and somebody was like, yeah, I think it, I think it's a HIPAA issue, man. I don't think anybody can, you can do that. And I was like, I, I and I just simply turned to him and I said, it's not, no it's not it's actually not he's like yes if you're a if you're a doctor or a hospital or something they can't give you give people information without you knowing that's all that's all it is Mm -hmm. that's all it is yeah i had to train extensively in hipaa when i managed at kroger because kroger has pharmacies and like every manager has to basically be trained to for every department even like pharmacy and whatnot and yeah chris is right it's about it's about health professionals and your information it's not about it's Marjorie Taylor Greene is the one that really pushed this when she was asked in a press conference if she was vaccinated, and she mm-hmm. said that question is a violation of my HIPAA rights. Mm-hmm. You don't, I don't even think HIPAA laws give you rights, like spell them out, like you have the right they give to you protections. They give protections. you protections. Protections is in the, the name <clears throat> of the acronym. Yeah. 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 It's just, it's just, it's, uh, it's just lies. Mm-hmm. It's just lies. It's, I, I, okay, so I'm a Colts fan. Carson mm-hmm. Wentz is now my quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Apparently, mm-hmm. you can just stop there. <laughs> and he gave a he gave a press conference first day of training camp. Asked about he was wearing a mask, by the way. NFL protocols state if you are not vaccinated, you have to wear a mask. There you go. Asked if he was vaccinated, said that's a personal 
question. So I already was upset with this guy. Now he broke his foot, so he'll be out for 11 weeks. And I'm not going to even make fun because that's unfortunate. And by the way, we know that he broke his foot. That's the, that's, Isn't that crazy? Yeah, we know that. That's That would be a HIPAA violation as well. Oh, yeah. Um, If he really cared about this to the, to the letter. Yeah, I don't... Uh, I, Professional athletes who make millions of dollars have no excuse to be this ignorant. There are millions of Americans who are anti-vax because they've been brainwashed or they have been misinformed or they are uneducated. These Lamar Jackson is not that. Mm-hmm. Like the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens, they need to have people in these guys' ears going, get the vaccine, stop being a dumbass. Mm-hmm. But if, if anything, this pandemic has proven there are morons in high positions all across America. Mm-hmm. And the world. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but not in New Zealand. New Zealand locked that shit down. They have zero community cases. They have three, three or four cases a day. They put them all in quarantine hotels. They come to the island. I like me some New Zealand. I do, too. They banned guns as soon as they had a mass shooting. They locked down the pandemic immediately. And they uh, produced Lord. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt is currently living there. Really? He shot his TV show there. The TV show that I keep seeing headlines about. Oh, the, where he's a teacher. Yeah. And, yeah. Let's all move to New Zealand. I, hey. Let's all we can live in the mountains Zealand. like a hobbitses. Yeah. Or the Shire, I guess. Let's just do that. Yeah. It's just, uh, it just seems like a better, a better thing. And when the world ends, I have a feeling like New Zealand will be the one that remains. Yeah. yeah, I feel good about that. Like, yep. you know, when everything's going crazy, you can just be at New Zealand and every, and you'd be like, "What? Wait, man, what war? What? <laughs> what, what? 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 What river of flames?" You know. Uh, Look, uh, you got to take the bad with the good. You've got Jacinda, what's her name, as Garrett? the prime minister, but also, yeah, it's funny, I forgot that part. Uh, but you also have the Eye of Sauron. Mm-hmm. For every flight of the Concords, uh, you have some other asshole New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. They don't want to export assholes, New yeah. Zealand. I said Jacinda Barrett. It's Jacinda Adern or a- Adern or whatever. I can't remember the, how they pronounce that last name. Jacinda Barrett is an actor. Yeah, she's right? an actress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She was also on one of the uh, uh, Real Worlds. Oh, that's her. Ooh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, sorry. She had a nose ring. I watched every very... season of Real World ever, but they completely run together. Challenge is coming back tomorrow. I don't watch that bullshit. Oh, what's up? Say what? Say what? Sorry. Well, you want to rant, about- rant? I have a question. I'm wondering wh- where HBO Max stands. This is the reason. We all know the to-do that happened with uh, Black Widow, uh, Scarlett Johansson, and Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Disney+, Plus said, hey, we got Banger Box Office, but we also got all these premium orders on Disney+. Plus. That led to this lawsuit with uh, ScarJo and everything saying that they uh, acted in bad faith with their, their contract with her. My question is, how, how is this working for HBO Max? As we all know, Warner Brothers had a deal uh, to release stay and date uh, releases, meaning that uh, Suicide Squad, for example, The Suicide Squad, came out in theaters as we record this last weekend, but also debuted on HBO Max for those subscribers at the same time. But... For no extra cost. No premium rate for HBO Max. That was their mistake. My question is, <clears throat> this this initially behooved HBO Max, which is owned by Warners, which is owned by AT&T? 
AOL? Fucking on. Fuck I, I, I think it is AT&T. <laughs> it's AT&T. It's AT&T. Yeah. Uh, so there's multiple levels of shitbaggery, I'm sure. But I'm still, yeah, I, we're laughing, but AOL you did used to own Time Warner. Right, right. They did. Yeah, 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 like yeah. it was uh, yeah, AOL slash Time Warner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so so my, my question is, like, it behooved HBO Max as a subsidiary of Warner's to make this deal or to agree to this deal with Warner Brothers Studio in the first place because we were in the throes. The, it's hard to say where we are in the pandemic, but in the initial throes of the pandemic because they were like, hey, we're going to get eyeballs on our thing, which will likely lead to new subscribers that aren't Comcast customers, which is a whole different conversation. Uh, or Xfinity, I guess I should say. Same thing. Uh, my question is, are they seeing anywhere near the returns that Disney Plus is seeing on day and date releases on things like this, like the Suicide Squad, Matrix 4 is going to come out later on, Dune is going to come out later on this year, is that I know it's not going to be equitable because not everybody's paying $30 for these new releases, but are they getting enough benefit to where this may become something that they do with maybe another studio down the road because we we now know WB has made a deal elsewhere down the road with another studio as a strategy what do you guys think no um i don't think they're doing very well at all um, you think this is <clears throat> this is detrimental to HBO Max in particular or HBO as a brand in particular okay first of all i don't think there's any reason I'm not slamming you. I don't think there's any reason for us to distinguish between HBO Max and WB. They're all doing what they're told by the bosses. I don't think think WB had any say in whether these movies were going to go to HBO Max on day and date. I think an AT&T board of directors made that decision, and they told the head of the studio, this is what you're doing. You don't think there's... Okay. All right. That's just my guess. Okay. That's how I... I don't know. I don't know any more than you do. I, I don't... I honestly don't know, uh, but I have read more than one account that the Zack Snyder Justice League did not do anywhere near the viewing or signups that they were hoping for. They were counting on new subscribers to justify this is the all release. about growing HBO Max subscriber base. That's all it is. And that's why they made it free instead of a thirty nine ninety nine thing. They're trying to make that subscription right super appealing. Um, the other issue is we have to just trust them on these numbers. It's not like like when Disney says we made thirty million on streaming for Jungle Cruise. I'm like, okay, if you say so. How are we gonna know? How am I gonna know? So if they, and I think they said they got two point one million views on HBO Max for the Suicide Squad opening weekend. That's not a lot, and that doesn't translate to dollars necessarily. I mean, right? it, it roughly it, it, if those same two point one million viewers went out to see the movie, you're talking about a roughly fourteen to twenty million dollars that they didn't get. Yeah, gotcha. Uh, I mean, I, that, I don't know what the average ticket price is these days, but I'm assuming it's somewhere around that seven dollar range. Um, it might be average, might be higher now. But, mm. um, but that you're still you're still talking. It's not thirty. It's, mm-hmm. But it's somewhere around twenty, probably. If that they're uh, losing, if Disney can be believed on their numbers, they, they, I think, chose the best path, and they have the model that I think could continue. Uh, and and personally, I hope it does continue. I don't care. And plus, if they're they, in house. It's important to know if you're making this point about there's no difference between HBO and WB. Yes. There's certainly no difference between Disney Plus and Disney the studio. Right. Right. 
I so agree. yeah, one one hand. Just like shakes, there's no difference between Star Wars and Marvel. Neither of them could have opted out of whatever Disney decided to do. Right. Uh, but it, I think they have found a sweet spot to make to maximize the revenue opening weekend because they made a lot of money on Black Widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they made a lot of money on Black Widow, mm-hmm. but they also made a lot of money on Black Widow streaming. And yeah. if they can figure out a way to distribute that money correctly, so that the actors all get paid oh, and, and the so producers the, and all that, yeah, yeah. and so the movie theater exhibitors don't get too pissed. That's a model that I think can work. The free day and date HBO Max model, I don't think works. I think that's it's not working. Even though they they didn't know how this year was going to go, obviously, uh, you don't think this is something that could be sustainable over the No, future. in fact, even Disney's stopping like their thirty dollar day and date thing. The next Disney movie is Free Guy comes out as we record on Friday, uh, and it won't be available on Disney Plus even for pay. Um, and I think it's going to tank. Probably will. Um, we don't know anything about streaming. We don't know anything. Only the people who run the streaming services know what's going on with the streaming. I think Warner is taking a bath on this shit. Yeah. Um, and if they're if they're somehow uh, eking out something from this, it's from somewhere else we don't know about at that point because the only revenue stream they have is subscription service and people going to theaters and maybe some merchandising. yeah right all they have that's why we speculate about netflix so often like how can they come out with these movies that cost a hundred and something million dollars and justify it when they've got um everybody nearly everybody has fucking netflix i mean you know i mean as many as they can get have netflix yep what what are they how are, are they getting are they getting millions more? I imagine they, I guess they are millions more. Even if they get millions more subscribers every year and up the price every year, they're spending so much money on content. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, where's, how are you profitable? How's that happening? Every single week, I see a headline about a major actor has a new film opening on Netflix this weekend, and it's the first time I've ever heard of it. This <laughs> yeah. happens weekly <laughs> to me. Yeah. And yeah. so there, there will be a cap. Uh, and I think you're right. I think they're close to the, their max of subscribers. I don't think they can bank on new subscribers as a source of revenue. Uh, they can only increase the price so much. And eventually, I think they're going to have to scale back production. But we also don't know how much they're making, how much they're making on merchandise. Like mm-hmm. Stranger Things merchandise probably sells like fucking mm-hmm. hotcakes. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I haven't seen the show yet. But um, who knows? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think we, I think this, we're all, we'll always be in the dark about this. This is why I don't really like the streaming stuff anyway at least we know that box office numbers are are they they use them for bullshit reasons like it broke the record for blah 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 and all that but it gives you an idea of how 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 much of a draw these movies are when you see the box office numbers you say okay yeah that's that's doing well uh comparative to other movies that i've seen this year and so on and so forth with the streaming they can just come out and say any old bullshit number and you don't have any way of you know i even see articles being spun out of netflix's top 10 list if you go to netflix every day there's like this is the 10 most popular things today how the fuck do we believe that Mm -hmm. maybe they're just trying to push (laughs) something particular that day but i see news articles go Oh, this this brand new movie just fell out of the top ten in Netflix, like the Masters of the Universe thing mm-hmm. fell out of the top ten in Netflix, and a couple sites made that an article about how it must not be very popular. Mm. Like, how the fuck do you infer that? Like yeah. that's complete conjecture. Well, and I'll tell you this, and not, not to say that we're 
you know the cinema sins is the beacon of what is popular or the or has the finger of the pulse of what is popular and everything but you go off a lot of these things sometimes because you want to uh you want to do a video of something that a lot of people have seen Mm -hmm. so you do a video of something that's popular and i heard last year extraction was one of these (laughs) one of these movies it was like doing gangbusters and the same thing with uh the old guard was Mm -hmm. another movie that had that so we did videos on those and hardly anybody gave a shit Mm -hmm. about them and it's like if ever if there were a lot of people who watched about watched this and talked about it and and it was in their souls like any other blockbuster our videos would have done a lot better i wonder i i don't know how different the netflix sites are across the world like in india and china and uh russia and you know uh south america and stuff like that i assume they get something like the old guard at the same time that the u.s does but it may be a scattered release strategy like they do in in theatrical releases Mm -hmm. right uh, or it may just not come out at all. Like we know that the Chinese don't give a shit about the old card or, mm-hmm. you know, or extraction or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, who knows? Who knows? I, I, I was wondering because as you noted, you know, with, with us, you loved your experience with the suicide squad. Mm-hmm. I have loved my experience. I really loved the experience of if I was going to watch Zack Snyder's justice league, so glad I could watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Did not want to sit in a fucking theater to watch that the whole time. Yep. So I I am a fan selfishly uh, for it, but it can't continue, right? Like the only way it can continue is the Disney Plus model, and even that may not be sustained. Yeah. Although it's shaking everything up, I think something is going to change permanently. And I'm personally hoping it's the ability to pay some amount of money to watch new releases at home. Uh, I, I pay more you. than $30. I, I would totally <laughs> do that, especially if you've got, you know, a family or like three or four people over. It's like pay-per-view. Pay-per-view hasn't it it's changed, but it hasn't gone anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh for big boxing events and stuff like that, UFC events, you know, if you if you release a big release for even $50 or even $100, on you know one of these services you're gonna have a decent amount of people one of the reasons it pisses me off so much is that the elite of the elite in hollywood already have a service that lets them watch movies at home on opening day yeah yeah. it costs like a hundred thousand dollars and fifty thousand dollars a movie or whatever the fuck but it exists for the uber rich one percent of the people when (laughs) the people who really deserve the chance to watch a movie at home are the uber-poor, disabled, hard-of-hearing, blind people, not the uber-rich, not the George... I bet you George Clooney watched The Suicide Squad in his villa in Italy. I bet he did. Seven months ago. I got nothing against Clooney. I just made that up. Um, No, no, this is the continuing series of our fuck Clooney series. Fuck Clooney! Fuck him! We should have a a transition bumper of fuck Clooney! I mean, you guys guys have heard me talk about this before. I have hearing loss so if i go to the movie theater i need i usually either miss most of what's being said or i suck it up and get the caption glasses so i can understand what's being said those things are big awkward and painful and i usually leave with a headache um but being able to watch at home right up in front of my tv in 4k with subtitles it was fucking heaven man and i want that permanently 
And I, I'm struggling to find a reason why I shouldn't be able to have it. I agree. Um, do we want to go into recommends and warrants? Totes amaze balls. They're great. It won the Academy Award. Oh, for what? For best movie ever made. Let's do it. All right. Um, I'm going to recommend uh, a movie that uh, came out on uh, Amazon this past weekend. Mm. Uh, we we sort of teased it a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Val, the documentary. Oh. Um, uh, I guess could I guess Annette is another movie that came out on. Am- I actually I don't know if it's available on Amazon though yet. Uh, Annette, Adam Driver movie uh it's sometime this I think month it's in i don't the know theaters it's, first and it? then it goes to but anyway i saw the documentary val we we sort of uh teased uh teased that a couple weeks ago uh uh he uh a lot like soleil moon fry went around with a camera and uh captured a lot of things that were going on uh when uh he's he started up as a as an actor and it's uh it is fascinating to watch uh stuff like this where he's in the he's in a play i think it's in 1983 and he's got the lead but then he's like well then i was pushed down to the second lead because they found out that they could get kevin bacon and oh really and so there's a shot of kevin bacon he's like oh that's really cool val talking about a camera uh <laughs> at the time and um and he's like and then i got pushed down to the third lead when they found out they could they could hire sean penn and sean penn, oh. sean penn's in this in this back room or whatever but uh what a crazy play to see all three of those yeah yeah <laughs> and uh and it's funny hearing him uh talk about top secret and stuff like that where he's like uh he's like uh I've tried to describe the plot to, of this movie to a lot of my friends to no avail. And, uh, and he, and he seemed to have kind of a painful memory of that because as a method actor, he really learned how to play the guitar so that he could play this Elvis guy or whatever that's in top secret. And, uh, the Zucker brothers ended up saying, you know, like we're just going to make it where you don't look like you know how to play and, and the music's coming out <laughs> fine and everything. And he, he said he was really disappointed in that. Um, but it goes through, you know, Val Kilmer at this point, uh, he's, he's had throat cancer. He's, uh, I think he's beaten the cancer, but the, the meds that he's taken still has taken a toll on his voice and he still has to sit and talk through like a trach thing. Mm -hmm. And so he's talking like this a lot. And it's like, it's like, God, it's so painful to watch him, uh, watch him do that. And but he's got footage from from the set of Top Gun. He's got he's got. Uh, um, so he just lugged around like a camcorder at the time. Yeah, and this is all like self. He didn't have like a videographer or anybody nope. around him. He just decided yeah. I'm going to record all this. He was stuff. just shooting stuff, uh, and uh, he talks about his early life and talking about how he lost a brother early on in life and uh, and uh, dynamic of his family and uh, everything. Uh, I, I, I recommend this documentary because it's, it's fascinating to watch. You are aware though, that a lot of this, any kind of documentary like this is going to paint somebody in the best light possible a lot Mm -hmm. of time. And Val Kilmer's got this, he's known he's, he's for, for, for a lot of people known to be a, a difficult person. So of course you see him in all these moments where you're like, would a difficult person do this? You know, <laughs> it's a lot of those type of things. 
I'm not saying Val Kilmer is the asshole who they've been portraying in the media or anything. I'm just saying that there's, there are some things where you're wondering, are you pulling back a little bit from where he could be an actual dickhead Mm. and everything? Anyway, it's still fascinating to watch, especially he's got, he's got some footage from the Island of Dr. Moreau, which is a, a, an infamous uh, set uh, but it shows him like, you know, shooting a shit with Marlon Brando, even though they were reported to have hated each other again, that might've been the only time they liked each other. And they just showed that one part oh. in there. But, uh, uh, there's a conversation between him and, uh, and John Frankenheimer. That's very tense, uh, that he has to, he sets the camera down. You don't see them in the, in the frame, but, uh, Val Kilmer is saying stuff like, uh, you know, it, John Frankenheimer is like, do you want to do the scene today? And he goes, yes, we're ready to do the scene. Uh, we just have to do some rehearsal and everything. I'm ready to do the rehearsal. And, uh, and Frank, and, but he's like, but I don't want to do it right now because you just told me and Marlon that you didn't want to be on this movie anymore. He was, uh, was he the first director that, no, that was, bounced or he was, he was the second? No, the, the, we've talked about the other guy. I can't remember his he name. Went and lived in the woods. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who, who had the idea to do this movie. Mm. I still can't forget when we were talking about that last time that Brando, one of Brando's ideas was that he take off his hat and has a dolphin fin on top of his head. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That uh, man. I don't know what happened to that man, but uh, he went sideways, man. Uh, that probably would have made that movie better somehow. Yeah. Dolphin head on top of it. I haven't seen the actual movie. Ever? No, I mean, I have. I saw that shit in the theater. What was that, 96? Yeah, 96. Yeah. I saw it in the theater as well. Yeah, I think that was the last time I saw it. Whenever you see, uh, whenever like later you hear about these stories, you're like, like, where was I? What was I doing during all of this? You know, like you didn't, you don't hear about it. Like, like I was just probably working at a movie theater yeah. and this crazy shit in Australia was happening. <laughs> Richard Stanley is the guy ah. who uh, was originally supposed to do this movie and he, he went through a lot of shit to get Brando on the picture, and uh, he eventually—I think he eventually had at one point—he had James Woods, he had Bruce Willis. Uh, they had to step out, and then it ended up being Val Kilmer and David Thewlis. And um, but uh, but yeah, Frankenheimer was come on came on to the, they hired Frankenheimer because he was a no nonsense guy, mm. and 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 he is supposed to be able to control sets and everything. But that that conversation between him and Frankenheimer, where he's like. He's like, yeah, but you put me in a bad state here because you got you said you're going to quit the movie. Now, are you going to be on the movie still after this or not? And I think that's a valid question if if that is, is, is if that indeed happened. Again, you have to take documentaries with a grain of salt. But what I saw here was was fun to watch. It just just take it in for the images that he got he captured mm-hmm. and and know that those are are fun. But if you come out of this going, boy, Val Kilmer is not the dickhead that everybody said he was. You don't still don't know the whole story. A film by Val Kilmer. Yeah. Well, it's, <laughs> it wasn't. I mean, it, there was a director on this that was oh. not Val Kilmer, but Val Kilmer took all the images and I'm sure agreed to do it as long as I mean, and there's some there are some moments in here. They show him in a in a, lo, a lesser light, I guess. But they're they're not like anything that's going to you know make you go. Well, this guy that I thought was cool isn't cool anymore. It's mm. not like that. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, but yeah, Val is uh, is good. I, I recommend it. Val, I got another one word V movie on Netflix for you. Vivo, 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 V I V O. Yes, you have not even it? heard of this. Mm-mm. This is Sony Pictures, uh, Sony Animation Classics. Um, Lin Manuel Miranda voicing the main character and writing all the songs. 
Um, Can't go wrong with that. This is starts out in Cuba with what I think is one of the best openings for an animated movie I've seen. Wow. Um, this old man comes out to this plaza with his guitar and his music box thing, and Vivo is a Vivo is a kinkajou. Uh, yeah, he is. from South America. Oh, and he's in Cuba. You might as well just think of him as like a dog monkey. Um, <clears throat> um, what was that puppy monkey baby thing uh, that had on for Mountain Dew that was on the the Super oh, Bowl? Oh yeah. Oh my god. One of the weirdest fucking commercials I've ever fucking seen. Hell. Um. So uh, he starts playing, and and Vivo comes out, and they have this big duet, and people gather around, and Vivo is rapping, and I mean the music is very Lin Manuel Miranda all the way through. Um, and, and he is what makes this movie charming. This is a record worn. Um, he is very charming and the songs are, are for the most part good. Um, story's a mess Mm. and it's lazy. Like basically the old man and, and Vivo have been performing together for years. The old man gets a letter from his old love in Miami who went off to become a famous singer he never told her he loved her, mm. but he did write her a song. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm going to go to Miami. I'm going to see her final farewell show and give her the song I wrote. We'll be reunited. And I turned to my wife and I said, he's dead. <laughs> and the next morning, he's dead. That's not a spoiler. That's a spoiler. It's a spoiler. <laughs> but it, it happens like 15 minutes into the movie and kicks off the action because Vivo the monkey dog decides, I'm going to now take this song and go to Miami and complete this quest for, you know, Andres. I think his name is Andres. Um, you know, my, my human. <clears throat> of course, he, he runs into a purple-haired uh, little girl who is unconventional. Because you can't have adventures mm-hmm. if there aren't unconventional. That's true. Well, she does have purple hair. Purple-haired girls. Um, the only, what I would call annoying song in this movie, is the eight-year-old girl's song. And her song is, I bounce to the beat of my own drum. I do ba da do ba da do bop and makes me want to sing. There's more than two notes on the keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was very, I said it was like a holler back ripoff. Oh, yeah. Um, holler back girl like Gwen Stefani? Yes. Oh, okay. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so, well, the Kinkajou, he doesn't want anything to do with this eight year old girl. He just, you know, hid in her backpack for a little bit. So he jumps out her window and runs away. Gets about four houses away and runs into a dog. So he turns around and runs back, and the dog chases him, and he jumps right back into the little girl's room. And I turned to my wife, and I said, that is 30 seconds. We will never get back. There was no reason for him to run away. Nothing was accomplished for this movie by him running away, seeing a dog, and then running back, except extending the run length. That's it. There's no plot reason. Early on, when he first decides, I'm going to take the song to Miami, it flies out of his hands, like in Ratatouille, and he has to chase it all across the city and grab it right before it lands in the water, and he's like, Phew. and I was like, fuck you, movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they do that like three more times. Um, there's uh, the, the girl is involved in some kind of sand dollar Girl Scout environmental troop. Mm. Those three other little girls are villains for a while as they're trying to grab the kinkachu and and put him in quarantine. Um, they go through the Florida Everglades to get to Miami, as one does. Mm-hmm. And then there's two uh, silly birds that he meet that fall in love and sing a song and fly him in the air. And he gets to the farewell show, and you finally hear the song the old man wrote for the lady, and it's the most boring song in the whole movie. Did you like this movie at all? I did. <laughs> 
Um, as I said in my tweet, <laughs> it is a- actual laugh out loud moments followed by groan, lazy plotting, followed mm. by another laugh out loud moment, followed by it's a weird mix. I, I half loved it and half was annoyed by it. Hmm. which is why it's a record worn. I think most people will probably enjoy it a little more than I did. If you have kids, I think that'll probably help. Um, and if you're a Lin-Manuel fan, I think that'll carry a lot of weight too. He does a good job as both when he's singing and when he's just doing the voice acting. Um, but it's, 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 it's lazy. It feels like that, that Groundhog Day time where Bill Murray is trying to recreate the snowball fight. Mm. Yeah. And he's done everything right, but it just doesn't feel... Yeah. genuine yeah. that's what this felt like to me like they put all the right beats in that you're supposed to have in a kids movie all the right elements are there but it feels like they're phoning it in <laughs> i want to have no, no. many kids lots of kids <laughs> <laughs> god i love kids <laughs> hey, what do you think uh lin-manuel miranda's friends call him you think they call him I lin-manuel think they call him uh lin mcskinny lin mcskinny i think they call him fucking rad i think they call McSkinny. him um LMM? Skidmark. <laughs> Skidmark. LMM? 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 MML? Skidmark. There's a Seinfeld. Seinfeld. There's a Friends thing where Chandler is running into an old camp girlfriend and she goes, Oh, hi, Skidmark. And he turns to Monica and goes, It's an old nickname. I'll explain it later. She goes, I think it's pretty slow explanatory. Oh, no. Oh well, all right. I may, uh, I may give that a shot. I bet your kid would like it. You still haven't seen In the Heights, have you? No. You watched this, but you haven't seen In the Heights. Somehow. <laughs> I want to see In the Heights. It's, 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 it's there. And then the wife and I have talked about it. the reason we didn't see it when it came out was we we didn't quite want to pay thirty dollars for it. But I think it's already cycled off of that, and I could watch it for free now. I just haven't gone back to it. It was that was free. It was free. It? Yeah. Yeah. That was an HBO Max thing. I th- okay, then I'm I'm not sure why I never watched it. Yeah, I think I, I want I'd like to know your opinion of it. Um, I'm sure you get asked that like 30 times a day. Well, having seen Hamilton and now Vivo, Lin Manuel definitely has a style. And Moana. Well, yes, except Moana doesn't have any of the hip hop in it, whereas Vivo's got no, it all over right. the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, at some point, I just want to hear a melody. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I liked it. Uh, I was annoyed. It's on Netflix? It's on Netflix. All right. Check that out. Uh, Speaking of HBO and HBO Max, I was at uh, Podcast Movement last week. Mm. I had a podcast movement once. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Biggin. On the tip of everyone's tongue was at this conference. It's a conference for podcasters. Was this show called The White Lotus. Mm -hmm. It's on HBO. I have no idea what this is about. Um, I knew that uh, Steve Zahn and Connie Britton were in it, <clears throat> but I didn't really know anything else. Uh, so on the the advice of our Red Circle people that uh, that host our, uh, our, uh, our show here, I said, all right, I'll tell you what, I'm going to watch this tonight. I'll report back to you tomorrow. Watch the first episode. It's written by Mike White mm-hmm. uh, of a million different TV shows, Dawson's Creeks, Freaks and Geeks. Uh, you know all the, the school of rock. Early, yeah, school, school of rock. rock. He was in Chuck school and, of rock. Chuck and Buck. Chuck and Buck. Orange Freaks County. And Geeks, <laughs> all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know Mike White. If you haven't, if you don't know Mike White, you've know Mike White. And he's funny, and he's got some some good stuff. So I checked it out, and uh, first episode 
was interesting. It's a it's a a group of people going out to this resort in Hawaii, uh, and they're going to this fancy resort called the White Lotus, run by a guy named Armand, who's very proper. I think he's New Zealandish, so we like him already. Mm-hmm. Um, friend of the show, friend of the show, and you know everybody's got their own family dynamic. Steve's on and Connie Britton are married. They got a few kids. Kids bitchy. All right, they got their own thing. Jennifer Coolidge is in there by herself. She's got her mom's ashes. She wants to uh, uh, scatter them about. Uh, Alexandria Daddario mm-hmm. is in here with uh, some other douchebag, Jake Lacey. He's not a douchebag, the actor, but he is playing a very convincing douchebag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a few, a few other families. And it seemed interesting. Mm-hmm. Into the first episode, so it's going to be a six-part miniseries, much like The Conjuring or the Conf- Confirmation or the Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant thing that came out, the Containment, whatever mm-hmm. the fuck it was. Uh, and then I kept watching. It's on its fifth episode. Just finished the fifth episode. Uh, I don't know what to think about this show. It's a recommend-a-warn because it's beautiful and it's interesting and it's mysterious. But I think it's simultaneously trying to say too much and too little. It's about privileged people becoming more and more on their own bullshit. And it's it's so an exercise. It's an exercise in misery, essentially. Now it's entertaining and it's darkly comic. And Alexandria Daddario is superb in this movie mm-hmm. or in this show. Um, you know her from True Detective, probably the first season. Um, Percy Jackson. Percy Jackson. And that Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake or whatever that came out. And she is absolutely gorgeous. Now, that's part of what's written into the show. Her character is supposed to be this otherworldly beauty. Mm -hmm. And she is. Is she the White Lotus? Uh, No, the the resort is the White Lotus. Oh, damn it. Uh, But, well, maybe she is. Maybe she was the White Lotus all along. Mm, You've mm. always been the caretaker, Mm, Mr. Torrance. That's right. Isn't there... There's an anime coming about Blade Runner on Crunchyroll, and I think it's called Black Lotus. Could be. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, we just did a Green Knight mini pod. I'm going to recommend another color movie. There's, yeah, there's a White Lotus. Is Lotus is a flower, right? Uh, yeah, it's a and, flower. Uh, and a, a luxury automobile? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, a couple of things to clean up. Yes, it's called Blade Runner Blackout. Oh, okay, not Black Lotus. Uh, although there is a Black Lotus uh, when I when I search in Google, there is a Black Lotus official trailer, but I, I, they must have changed this name because hmm. the uh, it, it's, it's showing as Blackout. Interesting. Although, wait a minute, is that 2017? Maybe something in 2017 came out called Blackout, and then there's another thing called Black Lotus coming mm. out. Um, the show you were trying to think of with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant is called The Undoing. The Very containment close. Very close. of The Undoing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, uh, this show, The uh, New Yorker keeps blurbing about how it's the, the best show of the summer and everything. And I think I get it because I've thought a lot about this show. Uh, what it means, what the, there's a lot of weird visuals in there. There's a lot of weird plots and everything. Uh, there is a, a very, uh, talked about sex act in this. That's, that's one of the first you actually slacked about it. It was in, (laughs) yeah, it's, it's an unusual sex act for the 
for TV, not for the Earth. But the like, headline was such oh. and such actor talks about getting rimmed on the set of this film, and yeah. I thought it was like I thought it was like a misused word, but the actor. The character actually gets rimmed. Yeah. And a matter of fact, I didn't even remember because it was way before I started watching the show. I didn't remember that that happened. And then I almost saw it coming and I was like, is this the show? Oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> God bless them. I mean, uh, everybody looked like they were enjoying it. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I would love to hear from listeners what you guys think. I would love to hear from from you guys if you watch it, what you think about this. Because I think there's something there, and I'm looking forward to the last episode. Um, I just don't know. I I think the people that are really enjoying it are enjoying it at face value. And the people that are, are thinking about it too much, like me, I don't know if we're enjoying it. Mm. But it is beautiful. It is interesting. Mm. Uh, White Lotus on HBO. Mm. Another round? Lotus. Another! <laughs> uh yeah so uh aaron dicer uh last night was like i wish some one of you guys would watch pig ah, and ah. uh jonathan watched it oh. and then i had some time last night and i watched Ooh, pig pig uh now i saw the trailer for this before something i watched at the bell court and i can't remember what that movie was that i watched at the bell court uh but i i was i was kind of uh entranced by the fact that there were 10 to 15 people in a theater watching this nicholas cage pig trailer <laughs> and not one snicker or anything happened during it mm. and it looks and the trailer made it look like it was some you know this is this is the type of movie nicholas cage has been doing ever since we heard about the tax thing or, <laughs> or the divorce or whatever it is that's making him have to do all these movies and pay for shit uh, or where he got bankrupt or something. I can't remember what it was. It was well, he's something. like Johnny Depp. He bought like a $70 million castle in Europe or some shit. Mm -hmm. Now it's been repossessed, I think. And he buys like dragon skulls and shit like that. He's a weirdo. But I just thought it was weird. I, I, I just thought it was funny. We have reached uh, a, a sort of uh, nexus point, I guess, where uh, we don't even bat an eye at some insane-looking Nicolas Cage movie. Mm -hmm. right? Um so this movie is not as insane as we think it is, although it has some insanity in it and everything. Uh, it's an unusual story, for to be sure, but uh, Nicolas Cage plays a guy who owns a truffle pig who helps him find truffles, and uh, there's a guy who comes out to his, like, out of nowhere in the middle of the woods place in Oregon uh, to get the, the best truffles ever or whatever, and I guess he, and Alex Wolf plays that guy. Alex Wolf goes to sell the truffles out in Portland, uh, and um, and that's how he makes his living. Uh, so we see him do this at the very beginning, and then uh, cut to uh, the uh, the nighttime. Two people come in and steal the pig. They put the pig in a in a little sack, and they run out and they beat up Nicholas Cage, and he's left uh, on the floor unconscious until the morning. So he asked it. Now he's now that he's up, he wants to go find his pig. That is the story. Uh, so how in the world do you find a pig that has been stolen? Well, of course, you have to have a lucky plot, right? You have to have the 
you know, you have to be able to go to somewhere where somebody knows somebody who can teach you, tell you to go to this place that these, per- this person might know. And they always know, um, <laughs> like nobody where he finds the tattoo parlor. Yeah, and just, yeah. it's exactly like that. And so, um, so he, he does an investigation. Uh, they actually find the people who stole the pig. The people who stole the pig are like, uh, we get, we, we sold it to somebody. We don't know who it was. It's some city guy. Uh, and, uh, and so Nicholas Cage is like, has had this, has this past in Portland where, uh, he was this, uh, major chef. Everybody knows his name hmm. and everything, but he long time ago quit and he moved out into the woods. So he knows people in Portland and, uh, he's got to, he's got to basically ask a round of questions. There's this one moment, maybe I missed some information, there's this one moment where he he wants to know who would have bought this pig, and apparently this person underground knows all these type of things. But Nicholas Cage has to go. I'm not going to spoil what he has to go through, but he has to go through a very unusual uh, kind of thing. Hazing? It's not hazing. I, I'm not. I'm not going to give it away, just so that you know. But he's got to go through something very unusual to get the information that he needs to go on to the next thing. Um, it's this movie is good. I don't. I'm not sold on it being amazing or anything, but it's it's very good. I would recommend this movie. Hmm. Uh, uh, the um, I I'm wondering if it's spoiler to say that you should look up spoilers before you watch this movie. Spoiler to what if you if you wanted to. Uh, go to does the dog die or anything like ah, that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Ah. I know you two don't care about spoilers, but you kinda if you're if you're is it is would it be would it be uh ambiguous to say if you're looking for answers about what happened to the pig, you may not like the answer that you like that you that you that you get? Is that too much of a spoiler? So you're saying I should go oh, to the website Does the Pig Die? You should go to the do the does the pig die yeah dot com and, uh, and if the out. end of this movie isn't somebody shoving that pig's cooked bacon into Nicolas Cage's bruised mouth, mm. I don't know why that just came to mind, but that would be a rad ending. <laughs> and it's got some shaved truffles on the top, and of he it. takes his hat off, and he has a dolphin <laughs> fin on top of his. It's kind of funny though. They, it's funny that uh, there's a moment in this where he goes to this restaurant, and it's this hottest restaurant in town type of place and everything, and. And, uh, and you can tell that Nicolas Cage is this, is this chef who has very high standards, but probably simple high standards where it's this, this is how you make great food and you don't have to do anything with bells and whistles and all that. It's really stupid when you do that. So he's sitting there at the table with Alex Wolf and there's a point where this, this, uh, server comes up with this, this dish and describes the dish in detail. We found, we got this, we fished the rivers of blah, blah, blah to find this blah, 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 this food. And we prepared it specially for you. And then here's at your table. And it's like this bowl that's got smoke in it and everything. And it pulls the bowl off and it's like this food underneath. And it's, it's, it's one of those like real gimmicky type of things that you'll see in a, in a so-called swanky restaurant. And Nicholas Cage like eats it. And he's like, I'd like to talk to the chef. And, 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 and he like, he's like, he like put, puts his finger on it and he's like this, you can just tell he's not impressed with this bullshit. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, but, uh, Nicholas Cage is great in it. Um, uh, this is one of, one of his best performances in a while. If you haven't seen him, I mean, what was the movie that came out that everybody was, uh, Mandy. 
It was Mandy. Mandy was he was really good in that. But that movie's awful. Uh, like super weird. Like mm-hmm. it's like it's it's hard. I mean, I haven't I haven't gotten on board of the Mandy train yet. Uh, as far as that being a good movie, but it's a it, it's. I think I think Nicolas Cage obviously has it in him to be a great actor, and 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 when people started making fun of him way back in you know 10 15 years ago and everything people would 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 miss movies that he was great in when they would, would talk about wicker man or something like that mm-hmm. and it was like uh yeah i agree he's kind of weird but did you watch matchstick men mm-hmm. did you lord of war he's good in it i mean there's there's a lot of movies where he's good but then he offsets it with a whole bunch of weird shit yeah and that's what the, that's what you guys remember and you think oh he's never been in anything good and it's like no not true yeah not true yeah not so, true at all what's not this on true at all uh i i ordered this off of amazon this okay. was a rental so it was like a six seven buck rental i'm interested in this i didn't realize the chef angle i knew that it was a truffle pig but i didn't realize that um that was that was kind of the thing i'm i'm interested in this it's good sure. it's re- it's really good I, I i it's just i think by the end of it i was i don't know i was hoping for a certain thing hmm. uh i may have already just given away fuck but, the pig you wanted him to fuck the pig i wanted him to fuck the pig because that's what made that first episode of black mirror so good <laughs> Well, I haven't seen Black Mirror. Does somebody actually fuck a pig in that? Yes. That's amazing. Uh, that's why you should see that show. Maybe I shouldn't, though. Because that's the, well, that's the, this is amazing. It's the first show. Like, that's the one that, that everybody is introduced to Black Mirror with. Yeah. And that's the one they went with. And yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very simple story. The princess has been kidnapped, and they call the prime minister, and they say, you have to fuck a pig in front of millions of people, or else she dies. And then there's a big debate about whether he should fuck the pig or not. And then... And then he does. And then he, he does, because there doesn't seem to be any other choice. I ought to let her die. And uh, and it's it's got an... I mean, aside from the uh, pig fucking, uh, it's got an interesting ending to the movie. Yeah. Very yeah. interesting ending. It would, it'll make you... Uh, you'll, you'll be talking about it you'll you'll have a discussion about that, that. show Whether in general the right thing that show in general kind of produces moral quandaries and questions mm-hmm. uh that that are interesting and and uh seems to be based on uh who was it that the there was a there was somebody that there was another it was an actual prime minister they kind of based that story on because it was rumors about that oh really i hate i, I hesitate to say the name because then you know I'm tony sorry. blair yeah, it's Tony Blair. I don't know. I don't, Boris Johnson. No, I don't know. I would who, believe I, Boris Johnson. I actually Johnson. don't know who the name is, but it was some actual person who's had rumors of that uh, in the in his past. My goodness. My is that goodness. why the the band did the floating pig thing with the, was that? Uh, Pink Floyd? Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. With the pig, pig balloon? Mm-hmm. The, mm. When they're, when they're uh, was it, what's the album? From, uh, is it Animals? Children of Men? It might be, but I feel like it's some other album. Hmm. One of those things where you it's a, it seems obvious that it's animals, <laughs> yeah. but I don't think it is. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, recommend pig. Pig. Ah, I will recommend. I think I wrote it as a record warrant in my notes, but I'm going to recommend it. Do it. This is a movie with Kevin Costner, yeah, and Diane Lane called "Let Him Go." Mm. It is. It's on, not Superman. No, mm. <laughs> it's on HBO Max or HBO proper. Um. <laughs> And I'm a big Costner fan in general. Mm-hmm. I particularly love Western-type stories. Now, this is not modern day, but it's not 
old west, but it is it, this is a western, even though they drive a car in this movie. Um, <clears throat> and it opens up with the, uh, Costner, Diane Lane, and they live with uh, their son and his wife, and they have a little baby. And there's like two scenes, and then the son has been tragically killed when a horse threw him. It's a mm. little abrupt of an opening. And the next thing, they're attending the wedding of their former daughter-in-law to her new husband. Okay. It's, it's several years later. The child is now a little boy. Mm-hmm. The new husband is going to take the girl and the little boy and move to another state. <clears throat> There's, they're in Montana right now. I don't know where the fuck they end up. Idaho, I think. Um, and Diane Lane is out and about and just happens to see that couple before they leave town and sees him hit her. Oh. Um, punch her. Straight up punch her in the face. So Diane Lane goes to Kevin Costner, her husband, and basically tries to convince him, we have to go save our grandson from this evil guy who's going to abuse him. Perhaps we can save the girl or former daughter-in-law as well. Um, <clears throat> there's nothing fast about this movie, and there's very little action, and that's kind of what I enjoyed about it. It's a, it's, it's more of a character study, and you can tell that Costner is weary. He doesn't want to get into this, uh-huh. but he's bound morally. <clears throat> so they drive <clears throat> to this town where the guys live, and they start asking around, um, and it turns out this new husband is from this infamous redneck crime family in Idaho. So even the cops are lying for him. And they meet a cousin. It's a burn notice. Jeffrey Donovan? Um, he's excellent in this movie. He's playing that kind of, I'm being so nice to you, you know for sure I'm actually being creepy. And I'm not really <laughs> trying to hide that, even though I'm hiding that. It's like... I'm going to be that ballsy to your face. And so he's like, sure, I know where he is. I'll take you to go see him. Why don't you come on and follow me? Get in your car and follow me. And he's being way too nice, and you know he's evil. And so they get to <laughs> and this. And he's Jeffrey Donovan. And he's Jeffrey Donovan. So they get to this homestead, uh, and there's a matriarch. It gave me vibes of season two of Fargo. Um, mm. Was that? Who was that? Smart? Yeah, Gene, Gene Smart? Gene Smart, yeah. Mm. Um, and you can just tell they're evil and they're stalling. And finally, eventually, after lots of menacing, threatening, kind of veiled things, um, the former daughter-in-law, grandbaby, and new husband come in. And uh, <clears throat> basically, they know that Costner's there to try and get the kid. Costner and Diane Lane go to the girl separate at work the next day, trying to convince her to leave town, come home. Blah, blah. I don't really want to spoil anymore. Somebody loses a bunch of fingers. Oh. Um, and there's an ultimate showdown over this grandchild. But I really don't want to tell you any of the rest of how it gets there. But there's a lot of real subtle moments where it's just he and Diane Lane having conversations. And you really, I really bought that they were a tired old ranching couple who'd been together for forever and had this history. The acting is really good. I'm not sure the plotting is as good as the acting. Because hmm. um, there's not there's not a lot of surprises. You probably will predict largely where this goes. Um, but I enjoyed it. 
And that's what I that's what happens when I recommend something. <laughs> when was this from? It's made like a year or two ago. Two thousand twenty. Um, oh wow! Uh, the guy directed it. It's, his name is either Thomas Bazooka or Thomas Bezica. I sure hope it's Bazooka. I sure and, do too. Uh, but he doesn't do. He's one of these. It's it's he kind of takes breaks on direct on directing. He did the most famous movie he's done. It's called The Family Stone. Had, oh yeah, yeah. That had uh, Diane Keaton, I think, in it. Uh, and uh, Sarah Jessica Parker's in that. Yeah, yeah I, I think like that Rachel movie. McAdams, I think, is in that movie too. Maybe I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. Rachel McAdams is in that. Um, uh, he did a movie called Big Eden. Uh, Big Eden was in 2000. Family Stone was in 2005. He did a movie called Monte Carlo in 2011. And then this was his next movie. Wow, 2020. So interesting. I would love to talk to somebody like this. Yeah, me too. Because I want to know. We talked to somebody who I think his last movie was I can't remember his name right now. I'm sorry, especially if he can if he's continuing listening to our podcast like he says he does. But uh, he did the butterfly effect, mm-hmm. and then he did the next movie he directed was the one we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And uh, and and you know, yeah, I asked him about it, and it was like, you know, it's well, it's not with a lack of trying, right. trying to get some of these movies out, uh, but all this stuff keeps happening, and you know, something falls through, and all that and maybe that's what's happening with him but sometimes i I wonder if it's like by choice that these people don't direct more and then you get something like i mean it's amazing that i haven't heard it's an innocuous title but i hadn't really heard about it and i guess if it came out in 2020 there was pandemic issues at least i mean i when i first i skipped it the first several times i saw it because the title let him go and then the description kevin costner and diane lane try and get there i thought it was about like let your dead son go yeah. or let a deaf yeah. person like get over the grief and i wasn't here for it but then once i realized what it was I was able to... good uh good cinematography yeah that's yeah. that's right up your alley eh? yeah i like a good yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, and and i'm i haven't seen jeffrey donovan in a lot of things maybe he's excellent all the time but i was surprised that he was this good mm-hmm. <clears throat> you got to go back to montana man i know and i kind of want to go with you it's beautiful yeah, I, that's one of the places I think I need to bucket list. My wife and I keep talking about going back, but every time we have a conversation lately about that, we, it, it turns immediately to, it seems like every single flight gets diverted and someone gets arrested these days with like all well, the there's, foul behavior <laughs> there's on that, airplanes. And weirdly, like Montana and, and Wyoming, like the biggest, most open states have, and North Dakota have the highest incidence of COVID yeah. outbreaks. <laughs> yeah, like, other than you Florida. You can go out yeah. in the middle of a fucking... Badlands, yeah. <laughs> and nobody around for fifteen miles. But no, you guys are spiking anyway. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to go up there. That'd yeah, that's good shit. I have a quick uh, wreck of warn. It's more of a warn amend. It's an underrated well, one day, movie. One day we're gonna have to define all of these different ones that you keep coming up with. Yeah, warn amend, wreck warn amend. I don't know. Recommend it a warn could mean anything. Recommend. Well, okay, so I'll def- I'll define the way that I look at it. Warn a man would be that I warn it more than I recommend, but it's not all bad. Okay, uh, what's I, a recommend a warn then if it's not a wreck a warn? I recommend it probably about seventy five percent. So wreck a war- <laughs> wreck a warn would be fifty fifty then. Yeah, maybe like fifty one percent recca. So so you are warn amending this movie. Yes. Okay. This would be on the forty nine percent recommend, and only because it's enjoyable trash. Not gonna spend too long on it. It's the Green Hornet. Uh, it's uh, Seth Rogen, Jay Chow, uh, Tom Wilkinson is in it. Christoph Waltz, uh, and uh, the reason 
that I kind of wanted to watch it was because of her old friend, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a weird thing. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has the scene, the famous scene with Cliff Booth and uh, Bruce Lee Mm -hmm. on the set of The Green Hornet because Bruce Lee played Cato in that thing. Now, The Green Hornet itself is a long-running radio show. I think there was even something before that. It's like this this superhero story. It can telephones with a string. That has been around since the beginning of time. Uh, it's a it's a rich playboy whose father dies, and he wants to get involved in the superhero game. He has a genius sidekick uh, who's also a martial arts expert uh, called Cato, originally played by Bruce Lee, uh, and I believe it's Jay Chow that plays him in mm-hmm. uh, in this one. It is. Uh, Cameron Diaz is in this. Uh, David Harbour uh, is in this in an early for him role. 2011, so it's 10 years ago. Um, my family and I watched this uh, fairly recently, and even, you know, uh, my wife and son are not the professional movie critics that we are known to be. Mm-hmm. True. And mm-hmm. if you if you take that out of context, you can go eat your own ass. Mm-hmm. But even they said, I enjoyed that, but that was trash. That mm-hmm. was awful. Mm-hmm. That's a terrible movie, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for something... Uh, that's a little bit under the radar as far as like the superhero genre. You could do a lot worse than this. Mm. Uh, this was stuck in development hell. It w- went through a million different uh, directors. Michelle Gondry, one of my favorite music video directors and director of Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, mm-hmm. um, directed this. It's such a weird thing. You could tell there's studio interference all over this thing, but. You you could do worse. This was a fun movie uh, that that just was a hot mess. My favorite part is after the first fight. Uh, Seth Rogen says, "I love weed." He does. <laughs> well, hey, it's the Green Hornet. It is. Have you guys either of you guys seen this? Now, this is yeah. when you were. You guys have both seen this. I saw it once. Yeah, I saw it in the theater. It was, it's was hot garbage, right? Still, yeah, yeah. I was still working at the time this came out. Yeah, it is. I haven't seen it since since I did. I, I remember there was a James Franco thing at the beginning, yep. and uh, Christoph Waltz was the bad guy, mm-hmm. and that's all I remember. Yeah, and and there's just enough Michelle Gondry in there, I think, uh, where even though he got fucked with clearly um, by is it Sony that did this? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Columbia Sony. Um, that uh, you could tell they Edgar righted him, uh, but mm-hmm. there's just enough in it to where I was I was smiling. And rolling my eyes at the same time, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think it's it's uh, in that Warnerman territory. Okay, me. okay. So to uh, to recap here, so Barrett uh, uh, recommend a warned <laughs> the White Lotus. He's saying he's recommending it more than he's warning it. There, that's correct. And he warnamended the Green Hornet. He's saying he's warning it more than he's recommending it. There. Um, uh, Jeremy Recka warned, let him go. The uh, Kevin Costner Diane Lane movie that's not Man of Steel, <laughs> and he Recka warned Vivo, the uh, Lin Manuel Miranda animated movie. Um, and uh, I recommended Val, the documentary on Val Kilmer, and I recommended Pig, the Nicolas Cage movie that you can 
get on most of your movie services uh nowadays um do we have time for questions valen pig valen pig valen pig valen pig do a double feature we've got time for at least one question because i really want to get to this okay question question i got something to say I am listening. Uh, this was uh, now we're, get, we're 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 catching up, folks. We've done a lot over the last uh, couple weeks, uh, but there's one uh, question that's been around for a while. One of the listeners says, "I don't know if this has been answered before. It has not. Uh, but where did the sin that goes quote the director has a character eat an apple so that they look like more of an asshole originate from? I never really got it, uh, but uh, this person does go on to say that he appreciates it." Mm-hmm. Now, uh, there's one person uniquely suited to answer this question. Yeah, um, this was something that I noticed even before CinemaSins, is that uh, actors, when they are in a position, in a, they're, they're in a scene where they are the, they, I mean, they are the asshole in the scene, they always seem to, to, to show that they're above it, they eat an apple in the scene. <laughs> I've never, I'll never understand where this came from, but there must, it's an actor trick where people put something in their mouth mm-hmm. while they're being an asshole so that they can show that not only can they do this, but they can do it without it being a big fucking deal to them. <laughs> like it doesn't affect them at all. Now, I believe, I believe the very first Apple Sin is an absolute fucking slam dunk of a scene for this to originate on. And it was the, the remake of star Trek, Mm. uh, where Chris Pine is cheating at the fucking habla blue, uh, uh, what is that called? The Toby, 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 Maru. Um, he's cheating. Uh, uh, like all the people are giving him, uh, or like, uh, saying, well, here's, what here's the status and he's like yeah don't give a fuck about that whatever <laughs> and then and then and uh and he doesn't even have the apple at first in the scene it magically shows up in the middle of it like it's in the chair it's in the chair that he's sitting in <laughs> he pulls a fucking apple out and then he's like uh yeah fi- uh, fire photon torpedoes whatever the fuck he yeah. says and he's just eating an apple during this whole thing the guy up in the booth goes is he not taking the simulation seriously <laughs> <laughs> and uh and so i i i think as like a lot of sins like i think um what was it uh reading came from a longer sin there was a sin that was written at one point where uh uh, why do these movies always start with uh, the fucking text and blah 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 blah? And I was like, we could just say reading, <laughs> and and that's where reading came from. And so like uh, this one, I'm pretty sure I started writing as every movie has these characters when they're doing asshole things, they got to have an at somebody's got to be eating an apple. Most of the time, it's an apple. Notice that for the most part, if you watch a scene where somebody's eating an apple, they are being an asshole. They almost always are doing something dickheaded. <laughs> we have expanded this for any time somebody eats an apple. So right. if you saw one where there's somebody just randomly eating an apple and there's no reason to call them an asshole, that's just us being us. It has nothing to do with them being an asshole. But anytime they eat an apple, we write that sin. Or we write a variation on that sin. Mm-hmm. Uh it doesn't have to be an apple, though. In Good Day to Die Hard, there's a villain who eats a carrot, and he's twirling the carrot around <laughs> and eating the carrot, and he's doing the same thing as he would if he had an apple. The other thing about I've noticed since, though, since we started doing apples, apple sins, 
The person eating the apple takes one bite out of it and then throws it away yep. almost every time. Yep. One bite throws it away. I was watching Dark Knight Rises yesterday, not all the way through. I just happened to catch the scene where he comes back after his back is fixed and um, uh, Catwoman saves the little boy from the bullies and takes she retrieves his apple. And she says, never steal some from somebody you can't outrun. <laughs> Takes a bite of his apple and tosses it back to the kid. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> you just had your mouth all over that yeah, shit. This I mean, a- would you not eat Anne Hathaway's apple, though? Uh, not if I was seven. I would still have cooties if I was seven. Yeah, yeah I know. Anne Hathaway. 20 billion bacteria in the mouth. <laughs> Anne Hathaway might be my number one. Yeah, I'm not sure. She's pretty. I, uh, when I was watching The Suicide Squad... And they all start that hero walk in the rain, and Harley Quinn turns, taking a bite of the apple. Oh my god! I was like, "Is she looking at me?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I honestly thought that that was a, a thing. Yeah, yeah, the, I mean, she's looking right at the fucking. It cuts to, turns into it cuts to she's flag. Looking flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but she's looking right in the camera. Yeah, the shot. I was yeah. like, and, I, and James Gunn is the kind of guy I wouldn't put past. Like he's certainly aware of us because he's been asked about us many times and usually rebuts that our sins were actually true. I wouldn't put it past him. But she is him. eye fucking the shit out of that camera. She though, is, man. man. She's like. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, like I said, the, you have the carrot and good day to die hard. You also have this. Also, I I, I recently saw the end of I don't know maybe a month or so ago. Had I watched that movie in a whole different light now. Friday Night Lights. Uh, uh, they make I, I may have even talked about this on oh, Sincast. Yeah. They make that Dallas Carter team out to be a villainous team. Just so happened to be all black, too. And there's a scene before they have the championship where they are coming up with real things that why they wouldn't want to play their game at Paramount. And and they're like, you know, your town's pretty racist. And in the movie, they're the villains for even bringing that shit up. And uh, and and so that when they do play uh, Dallas Carter at the Astrodome, the coach has a sucker in his mouth the entire time yeah. and it's all to, there's no other reason for it other than i hate that guy you put you put something in somebody's mouth they it makes them look even more like an asshole every mm-hmm. single time so uh, it doesn't have to be just apples but uh but yeah friday night lights now how much of this tracks back to bugs bunny because i do think there's a certain amount of i am so unbothered by this i'm going to take a bite right now that makes movie characters seem like an asshole could be but that's what bugs bunny was always doing right like oh i'm not worried about you and your gun what's well, up doc and, and and that's a great that's a great uh i i think that's a good start I, it, it could be vaudeville where it starts mm, in mm, fact mm. like if, if you're up on stage and and you're pretty and you're being an asshole or whatever it's like you know just eating something yeah. while while uh you're being a dick so that's where it comes from. And yes, we've expanded it to the point where it, anytime an apple shows up on screen, we're going to say something about it. And uh, But most of the time, if, if you look carefully, almost every... There's a scene in Harry Potter where uh, where Draco just out of nowhere is eating an apple. Yeah, yeah I remember that. <laughs> just out of nowhere. Yeah. They're out in the middle no, of the they, field. They appear out of nowhere. Hagrid, yeah, yeah. Hagrid is like making them uh, ride the, I don't know, the, the, the buck beak. Yeah, buck beak. Yeah, and, yeah. and, uh, 
And he's just like, oh, and like, oh, this is a perfect time. And it's never a tiny bite. It's always yeah. like a whole mouthful. Mm-hmm. I so. like, I love the way it's phrased, and I, I guess it was phrased this way from the very beginning. But it's the director's fault. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it, the the sin is worded. It worded the director said, "Eat this," so that not only because we know you're being an asshole in the scene. Mm-hmm. This makes you more, of an, more of an asshole. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We got so that extra little funk on it that I think makes it. Uh, yeah, we got to put some better. stank on it. Yeah. <laughs> Rolling on the river, that's where we'd be. Um. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, I, I think that's going to be it for today. Um, sure. Uh, we can, we're, we'll, get to, we'll get to some more questions. We got some questions that have been like uh, loaded up. For a while, and good we'll, ones. We'll 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 get to those big ones. Yes, yeah, big ones, and we'll get to those uh, uh, in future episodes. Promise, we promise. Um, that's going to do it for this week. Keep going to Sincast presented by CinemaSins on Facebook. Also, CinemaSins Twitter, Music Video Sins Twitter, Discord, and SoundCloud. That's going to do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott Barrett. Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I don't think anybody should be allowed to have been born in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> but All that... Uh... Those comedies that came out right around that time, like even Tag, Tag, was Blockers, there. Game Night, they all came out around the same time. Blockers, I have not gone back to. No, I, I don't think I've seen that movie since the first time. No, I only saw it once. But Tag, not, I've seen several times. It's not. It's not bad. No. No, I just don't need that much John Cena. Yeah, there's a lot of John Cena. And I love Ike Barinholtz. Isn't it Ike Barinholtz that's in there too? That's not a name I recognize. Ike Barinholtz was in uh, Neighbors. He was the guy who schemed with Seth Rogen. uh, Oh, and then ends up fucking the other girl who has a baby hanging out of her vagina. (laughs) Did I just mix two movies together? (laughs) I don't know, actually, but that sounds right. He hooks up with their... With the other friend. Uh And I think it's the second movie where she's pregnant and she, like, there's a baby dangling out of her at the end Uh-oh. for like a, a sight gag because she's in the middle of giving birth. I can't remember. But I guess I'll have to watch both neighbors' movies again. Maybe. Um, but uh, uh, he, he, I think he's in uh, Su- the first Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. He's one of the guards. He's uh, the guard that the yeah, Joker that's right. like, uh, gets to turn. But I think he's he's the other dad in there. I think he is he's in like that the, movie. He's like the yeah. asshole dad. Well, all it's John assholes. Cena... Who's the woman? Uh, Leslie Mann. Leslie Mann. That's right. Who's the woman? I've actually gotten to see her as close as I'm talking to you guys right now. Oh, because she was with uh, Apatow, right? Yeah, when they had the the big sick table, which was right next to the uh, fresh off the boat table. Did he produce Big Sick? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Wow, what a table that had been. That must have been. And he came over to talk to Randall Park. And, uh, uh, and you know, Aaron's like talking to everybody. I'm like, this would, this has been my perfect opportunity to, to talk to somebody. I did talk to, um, what's his name? Pullman, right? 
No, I was standing very close to Pullman. Pullman was like talking to somebody, and I was like, zero effect. But I couldn't, <laughs> but I, I couldn't even get those words out. No, um, uh, who's uh, Chris McKay? Oh, All right, Chris McKay. Uh, I, I talked to him, um, and uh, and then, uh, but then, yeah, uh, Apatow came over to talk to Randall Park, and I had just seen him at TPAC. Oh, right. And I could have said something about that. And I just didn't. I just, I just feel like these people want to be left alone. That's, that's my, I'm not afraid to talk to them. I'm afraid that they're just, they get bombarded with this shit. And I'm just like, fuck this, man. I just don't want to, I don't want to add to it. Yeah. At what point would it be okay to talk to somebody like that? I've, I've very rarely been in that situation. Like at award shows, I would feel like they're probably expecting that. Yeah, but also like restaurants are probably just trying to have a fucking meal, and they don't want people True. to come up with them there. If there's any place that you're uh, pretty much allowed to go and talk to somebody, it's at an award show. But I just but then they I, are bombarded, right? They are bombarded. Yeah. They have people coming up to them all the time. But like, yeah, God, that was the that was the craziest amount of celebrities all in one space. Yeah, you could talk to anybody, right? God, and that I was mean, a good year for it too. Yeah, it was. Uh, just to have all, I mean, just all those people, and just be sitting at a, t- you know, you you don't you don't you don't know some of these people. I didn't <clears> know who uh, Constance Wu was mm-hmm. when I sat down. I still haven't seen Hustlers, by the way. Speaking of which. She's in that, right? I've weirdly seen yep. that like three times, and I don't even think it's great. <laughs> but it's it, isn't it amazing? Like this, like Jeremy's seen like thirty five different movies you haven't ever heard of, and Andy somehow found time for The Martian and and like all these other movies, Matrix probably, all these movies that he sees multiple times, and then Hustlers, which I don't think I I would have ever pinned you for watching once. You've seen it three fucking times. Wait, wait, wait. Help me know. This is the J-Lo stripper stealing money, yeah, one, right? Yeah, not, not the Anne Hathaway, Dirty Rotten Scoundrel. You've seen it three off. times, right? Well, yes, but one is called The Hustle and one is called Hustlers, yeah, 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 and I mix up the titles. Yeah, it's Hustlers is the J-Lo, Constance J-Lo, Wu. Constance Wu, and even a little bit of um, it's Cardi 10 B, Things remember, I Hate right? About You. Um. Julie Stiles is in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a, is she the reporter? She's, yeah, she's yeah. the Christian Slater from Interview with the Vampire. Yeah, she's yes. the Christian Slater. <laughs> she's from playing the, the Christian. Vampire. I liked that scenario <laughs> recently that said, "Oh shit, what was it? I see the this role from this movie, and this movie is going to be played by this person." That was worded poorly, but it still counts as a sin. <laughs> <laughs> your shit, though, your TV is on nonstop, right? In my office, yeah. Generally, I mean, it's muted a lot, but it's almost always on. So, like, you can watch. You're not. You you probably have seen Hustlers all the way through three times, but like you've mo- more than likely seen it like seventy percent or something like that. Um. Well, actually, I've seen all of it. I watched it once all the way through. Right, right. But I do do math like that, where like I know Hustlers has been on on my TV at least five or six different times. And all told, I'm guessing I've seen the thing two or three times. Because you're gestalting it, basically, right? You're, yeah. you're filling in the blanks if you have seen it all yeah. the way through. Well, I told you I watched Freaky yesterday. I watched the first half of Freaky. Mm-hmm. And then I had, I think I had to go narrate or do something. And then I came back and waited, and it was on another channel later. <laughs> and then I ended up watching the second half that way. I can't believe you didn't watch Freaky all... Well, I know you had stuff to do, but like... That's a movie I would not want to get up in the middle no, of. No, it was it was difficult. I actually recorded the rest of it, but when I when I finished oh, watching, on, yeah. I just was watching on a channel instead of going to my recorder. 
Those Boy. kills at the beginning just absolutely slay me. Like, I, and no pun intended, but like when he's just going through and like stabbing dude in the head and just like <laughs> when the girl great. that first girl runs into <laughs> I guess it's a sorority house or something and closes the door behind her and like breathes and he just goes <laughs> like like K in twenty forty nine just breaks through the door no problem. <laughs> the scene in which uh, Steven Seagal kills Tommy Lee Jones in Under Siege is every bit as bad as the rubber head and um starship troopers yeah, yeah. where he's about to get it blown off they have that quick shot to it's like, like a, a michael myers thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't even because he stabs him in the eye with his thumb first and then there's this static shot that uh, i guess andrew andrew uh or is it uh it's not andrew lincoln that's the walking dead guy andrew davis mm-hmm. uh does where like if you frame by frame it it's literally like Michael Myers mm-hmm. and his tummy leg going like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. just this pale, terrible thing. And he stabs him right what's, on top of the head. What's funny is I didn't even slow it down or anything. I just watched it in in regular motion and I was like, oh, that looked horrible. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I mean, and, it's, and it's a split second. Like oh you can barely God. see it, but I was like, oh, that's bad. I was you talking, can always tell. I was talking to the guy from TCM uh, last week about how crazy it was that Andrew Davis carried over a ton of people mm-hmm. from under siege to uh the fugitive the next year not only tommy lee but like these bit characters like the, i got your man yeah. i got your man that yeah. guy is like the third in command for tommy mm-hmm. lee mm-hmm. the one of the detectives at the beginning of the fugitive is like a sailor on the boat hmm. like there's a ton of fucking the, bit the players curly haired dude who uh tommy lee jones shoots the gun and he loses his hearing or whatever yeah yeah yeah, is, yeah he's is the a private. guard yeah yeah he's the private that guards uh steven seagal mm-hmm. uh uh fucking uh newman yeah newman <laughs> what yeah. are you thinking think me up a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah exactly that guy <laughs> yeah it's kind of funny because i mean even though i had seen under siege before the fugitive in in real life like when i was growing up and everything it was it was almost like watching because i'd seen the fugitive a million times right watching under siege it's like oh it's the same people from the fugitive because they sound i mean the dude with the chicago accent yeah. like there's no missing that fucking guy <laughs> yeah. even though he's only been in like probably three movies all of which are that Andrew guy Davis. i i i think he's got to be a, a local like chicago actor because he's in a lot of these chicago movies i think he's even in like chain reaction or something like that what is that another andrew davis movie? it's another andrew davis yeah <laughs> we well yeah because we actually we went through this a long time ago but he's got such a weird filmography he's worked with uh uh seagal in above the law which is a chicago movie mm-hmm. the package is that hackman mm-hmm. <clears throat> i remember it's liking hackman that movie and uh who else is in that movie there's another famous person. isn't that a good movie i kind of feel like that's a i haven't good seen movie. it the package it's it's a prequel to conversation you see the gift tommy lee <laughs> to is the, the other guy in the package uh, okay oh wow jesus christ i mean the guy's loyal i guess yeah that was something that uh, i was looking at the other day looking at under siege i was like i wonder how many like did tommy lee jones do a lot of stuff with it, it that's the first one was the package but Chief? i thought for sure like after i saw that like they had just done like 50 movies together or something above the laws in chicago i actually went to the church in which they uh it's the church of the seven angels where they they filmed that uh fugitive obviously chain reaction is at university of chicago mm-hmm. uh a perfect murder is that set in chicago could be 
I saw that like two weeks ago. I kind of, I kind of love a perfect murder. By the way, I kind of love that movie. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. No, he's a he's a Wall Street guy. It's Michael Douglas playing a Wall Street guy. Oh, Amazing. that's a big stretch. <laughs> but uh, and then he did holes, which is so weird. He did Deep collateral holes. damage. Yeah, the, yeah, he's a Wall Street financier and uh, married to Emily, a much younger translator for the United Nations. Yeah, yeah, she. Michael is. Douglas and Gwyneth Paltrow probably fucked on that side. I I thought that movie had such a good look. I saw that in the theater. Was it 99, 98? 98. Uh, I love that movie. I don't know why. This is about the same time that he was loving Quaron's Great Expectations, right? When was that made? It was 98. I think it was 98. Yeah, so those two movies are the same to me. And I know they're not content-wise. Because of Gwyneth Paltrow? No, it's just they're both remakes of classics mm. and pretty looking P- very pretty looking yeah. That's a perfect murder i found it prettier to look at than it was compelling to watch yeah yeah part of the problem is i'd seen dial m for murder since i had seen <laughs> spectacular and too. it's so much better <laughs> um and again he goes good in it and douglas Vigo's, is good yeah everybody's good in it it's just one of those in hindsight you know why did we do this yeah 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 but, and there's i mean there's it's like cape fear right did you ever watch the original cape fear no but it's I put it in a spot where i see it every day and i have yet to actually carve the time but i'm you have no idea how excited i am to watch that movie i don't know why it's been a long time but i remember loving it but i also love the 91 92 version um but i think so, cape fear yeah. is the exception like most remakes that are high profile of classics that like Diabolique. <laughs> well, exactly. We were just b- ripping on that movie. the other day. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I I agree. I, I maybe I'm a sucker for really good reimaginations of stuff like that. Um, I can't remember anything recent that I really. I mean, I hated Psycho, the the remake. But that was also shot for shot instead of like a reimagined. Well, right? and we were saying why before that one even came out. We we knew we we were smart enough movie audiences. We knew that was a dumb idea. Also, ninety eight, right? I mean, not a dumb idea, just not a marketable, profitable idea. Like I think there is merit in the concept of trying to execute a shot for shot remake, but more on like an academic level than an entertainment. Yeah, it level. should be shown to. I don't know, university students or film school students. Yeah, right? I just, yeah, I don't, I don't get that whole, we're taking the same script and we're going to, okay. Mm-hmm. Did uh, Van Sant do that right after Goodwill Hunting? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he he was counting those dollars. He got the cloud. Said, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that was something he'd been wanting to do all along. Well, he yeah. was just waiting until he had that much clout. He's never really been a mainstream filmmaker. No, what's the most high pro? Uh, Good Will Hunting. Hunting is his most mainstream. I mean, everything that came before that. I I've enjoyed most of his work, but it's definitely on the weird side. It's like Boogie Nights when Marky Mark comes in and freaks out to Tom Selleck. I mean, uh, Tom Burt Reynolds. Tom Selleck in that role. Now I want to see that. Let's do a shot for shot remake of Boogie <laughs> Nights. <laughs> hey. And Tommy Selleck is still working. I wonder how old Tommy Selleck is. You know, is he is uh, late 60s, probably? That's my guess. You know what kind of world we're living in? I saw a headline the other day making the rounds that said, Daniel Ratcliffe reveals 
which character he would play in a Harry Potter reboot. Because even Daniel Radcliffe knows that shit is fucking inevitable. Did he actually do that, or is that the clickbait headline, or did you just see the headline? I didn't click through to read the rest. Well, I don't I'm blame sure you. I don't blame you. Whether he volunteered the information or was asked a question, I'm sure he named a character from Harry Potter that he might want to play if they well, ever did a reboot. Now I kind of want to see which character <laughs> it was. Character let's let's guess, because I didn't read it. Tom Selleck is 76. Holy Jesus. shit. Um, I'm going to guess it's going to be the 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 dog guy that was friends with the dog uncle <laughs> yeah yeah no that that makes you know who i'm talking about azkaban oh the rap you like the rap a lot don't you no i'm talking about uh guy. No, it's on the rap is is the website that's oh. on. uh sure okay hold on here it is uh all right the interviewer said that he would make a great hagrid that's dumb um, Daniel Radcliffe. It would be two of the Marauders. Oh, Sirius or Lupin? Yeah. So the dog or the dog? I was right. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> What's funny is that did you see the headline? It was an interview with Alan Cumming. Oh where, God, uh, I read that. Where article. he was, he, he got offered. Was he offered the role of uh, Lockhart, and he turned it down? And he, oh, it was a, it was a pay thing. It was they wanted he, to pay him like nothing. It was him he and he and another Dylan actor. McDermott or Gilderoy. What's what, Dylan Dermot? No, fucking British actor. It was a British guy, but it was one of a guy that looked exactly like that. Rupert Murdoch, Ru- uh, Rupert Everett, Everett. Yeah, um, and they both had the same agent, so he knew he was being offered way less. So he told him to fuck off. And then says Kenneth Branagh basically came out of nowhere, <laughs> came out of the shadows, and just stole the role. <laughs> I can only imagine Alan Cumming in that role. Is that is that not one of the best things? Like Hollywood people getting old and losing their fucks yes. and telling true stories. It's the best thing. Ever. Alan Cumming would be amazing in that. No, I agree. Oh yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know about Rupert Everett. Uh, I mean, sure. I, I'm I sure think, no, I think Rupert Everett would be great too. I That's, can see. I mean, you feel like they had to pay even more to get Kenneth Branagh, whatever they were offering those two guys. You remember Rupert Everett in My Best Friend's <laughs> Wedding? I he's do. fantastic yeah, in that, he's and he that. would have been. And that's kind of the same kind of role, only a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and Dermot Mulroney's in that movie. He is. Oh my God! You just broke my <laughs> broke the left hemisphere of my brain. He is indeed. It always comes back to one of the Dermots. Dermot. <laughs> I like me some uh, some Alan Cumming, man. He's had mm-hmm. a good career. He's got a fun career. Yeah, he's uh, he's such he's so good in Eyes Wide Shut. That's I could watch that scene on repeat. It's just, and I think they didn't they film Chris. You may have seen this story. Didn't they film that scene even for Kubrick stand, uh, standards? Like a lot of times, like he was supposed to be there for I think f- a day. And he ended up there for like two weeks or something like that. I'm sorry, which scene is this? The Alan Cumming scene where he's the hotel clerk. Oh yeah, yeah. I've I've, I've heard. I mean, you, we don't even know anymore. Do it doesn't we? matter how many like, times they say. Like apparently, Sidney Pollock had to walk just walk into a room 47 times. That was it. I mean, it's all he was doing was walking into a room. I think that's why Kaitel quit. Uh, was because and 
Well, he had, I think he played Sidney Pollock's character. He did. Didn't he? He yeah. had something else he needed to do, and it was just like, come on, man, this <laughs> 47 takes or whatever. Doesn't uh, Fincher have this reputation now? He does. The, does he really? Uh, Zodiac had uh, a lot of that. Uh, I saw an discussion. interview where Ben Affleck was chatting with him and giving him a hard time about Gone Girl and all the different times that they had to do like retakes and retakes mm. and retakes whereas clint eastwood from what i understand is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum may not even be paying attention he well, just he, <laughs> calls it a print eastwood's <laughs> reputation is that they rehearse yeah and then they they go and do the scene and then they're done yep and he's he comes from tv and so that's how that style came from was just yeah all right we're gonna stick the camera here and you guys are gonna act we we're gonna run through this a couple of times once you guys get it <laughs> big dick mcgee big dick mcgee god that should be a movie i saw a trailer this morning for a movie called c.i ape oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's from Lionsgate, and it looks <clears throat> like a joke but it's real <laughs> c.i ape it was uh, J- uh david wong posted it on twitter and said i hope this costs 200 million dollars <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like production value is worse than the spy kids movie um but it's to send in a secret CI ape who kicks ass around. Now he's already sent up his fucking Starlink satellites that are a good idea in that he's trying to provide high speed internet to everyone hmm. via this mesh network of satellites. But they go in. I don't know if you guys have followed any of this. I don't know if you I care about the night I, sky. The first time I heard but of the it. Starlink satellites go in a single file line, and it looks like there's fifty or a hundred of them, and it's fucking with. Like Skywatchers and astronomers and people that are looking for stars and, and planets. George Clooney when he's in space trying to to exactly. fix the Hubble. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're gonna just collapse on each other. Collapse on and each other. Form this debris cloud. But anyway, I, uh, <laughs> you have a telescope. I do. You I need to it? get a better one. The one I have is technically an antique. Um, I haven't used it in years, but I got my brother one. And he and his kids use theirs, and I need to get a new one. Did they use it out in your uh, yard? No, they, they they live in Ohio. They used it there. But <clears throat> he sent me a picture of Saturn that they got on there. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's got a camera in it? Oh, yeah. Nice. Well, he, either, he, either that or he just... I think you can connect a camera to it. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I got... Man, I got one for, for my kid about three years ago, and we've done some moon watching. And God, every time you see the moon or any planet, like where you can really see it yeah with your eyeball not yeah. just looking at it on a screen it's just unreal. absolutely uh gives you chills it's unreal yeah. yeah yeah and now it's gonna have the moon brought to you by it's gonna have view rock Amazon. city <laughs> in the sky <laughs> that's a tennessee joke for <laughs> those of you out there who yeah never yeah you rocks yeah. you imagine elon Musk, spacex sends up this satellite and of all the brands in the world, <laughs> it's the, Rock City is like, you know what? Hey, we pay for all these billboards. Take them shits down. Sell them. Yeah. And we're going to project the shit right. over Lookout Mountain. <laughs> well, actually, a bunch of the View Rock City billboards, from what I understand, aren't even paid for. They've like skirted the laws by like paying farmers to let them use their barns and stuff like that. Uh, they've been there for as long as I've been alive. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember seeing them when we would drive from Indiana down to Florida when I was a teenager. Yeah. And they start at like... What sixty miles out or something oh, yeah. like that? Yes. And there's yeah. only like one way. Every half mile on the half mile. <laughs> yeah, and it's on everything. It's on all sorts of stuff. It's uh, on cows, as you. Yeah, it's on, yeah, it's on cows. <laughs> you paint them on. Because satellites all degrade in orbit mm-hmm. and fall to the earth. 
They do. They do. Wow, I didn't realize uh, Elon had sent that many up there. Yeah, well, most people don't realize what Elon's doing because he's so busy tweeting stupid shit. You gotta be like, if you go up there, it's amazing how much you've got to dodge. I mean, I'm just kidding about gravity, but like, you probably gotta like stick and move like around well, all this. Space and even Wally has that joke that the satellites were so many that you can't see through the atmosphere yeah, yeah, or what yeah, have yeah. you. You know, you know, I realize that we're not to that extreme, but it's getting there. It's getting there. Mm-hmm. You got a crazy mind. I want to be able to see stars. I love it. I love that mind. The Perseids are going to happen in two days. The who? The Perseid meteor shower. Yeah. No, I knew what you meant. <laughs> Asshole. You're the one with the little boy telescope <laughs> looking at moons. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>